Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Happy Monday here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Mitch Vareldis and Steve Zinsmeister in today on this Martin Luther King holiday. It's a special day in the NBA. They play, of course, the game in Atlanta. That'll be Hawks and Heat. And then later today in Memphis, it'll be the Suns and the Grizzlies. But there's a lot of Suns stuff that we wanted to ask about from a national perspective. And there's no better guy to talk about when it comes to trades and money and handling cap situations and stuff like that. Then we turn to Bobby Marks from ESPN, NBA's front office insider. Bobby, thanks so much for taking the Monday to join us. We really appreciate it. You got it. Hey, guys, how are you? We're doing good. We're doing good. I want to ask you just from the get-go, because yesterday was January sure. 15th, and I'm yep. curious what your opinion is as of this moment right now as to whether or not DeAndre Ayton will be a member of the Suns after the trade deadline has passed. Yeah, I would think he is. You know, I mean, I think a, a lot of factors into it certainly – him having the right to veto any trade. So I think, you know, if, if a trade materializes, you know, Aiton can say no to it. And I think if you're a player in the middle of the season and has a four-year contract, I don't think you're in a position to make that decision until probably the off season. I think it's a little bit more of a, more of a challenge here. I think, you know, unless it's, you know, somewhere where it makes sense. Um, and I, I just don't see Phoenix in a, in a position right now where with everything going on where uh, and I don't even know if they have the, if they have the approval to do, to do something like that um, for a player that's owed a lot of money, um, you know, a big, a big move, uh, a big move like eight. So yeah, I would, I would say it's um, highly likely that he is, you know, on the, on the roster when we get past the trade deadline. I think maybe the better question, Bobby, then is what does the rest of the league think of DeAndre? And I, I remember we talked to you months and months ago during the <clears> summer when the whole Kevin Durant possibility was out there in the wind. And Brooklyn essentially said, no, we're not really interested in DeAndre. And does the rest of the league think, uh, what do they think of him? Well, he's a good player. I mean, I think he's a, he's a max player based on circumstances. Right. I mean, I think there's certainly different ways max guys are paid max money, you know, whether it be in an extension like we saw with you know, Darius Darland and Zion and John Morant here or in the case where, you know, there was, you know, there was no offer there until Indiana came with an offer sheet. And, you know, Phoenix had to match it based on where they were financially here. So I think is he a, is he a 31, 32 million dollar player? Probably not. I mean, that's usually you're paying your best player that type of money. He's probably, you know, what your you know your your third best player on on the team. Third best player is probably making between twenty and twenty five million dollars here. So, it's it's a challenge. I mean, centers in this league, unless you're Joel Embiid um, or Nikola Jokic, um, are not making you know max money. You know, there's a, a fifteen to twenty million dollar guy. Is, is kind of at, at the center position here. He's a good player here, but I think at that salary, it's probably, you know, it's probably a little bit rich and there's probably a little bit more of a need at, at you know, certainly with other teams here because, you know, you trade for him, you basically have to give up what, like $24, 25000000 million in contracts. So right. I, I just, I, I just haven't heard enough around the league as far as, um, you know, the teams lining up to go out and try to go get DeAndre Ayton. Bobby Marks with ESPN. He's an NBA front office insider joining us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Okay, so then let's kind of shift the focus then. You envision that DeAndre Ayton is a member of this Suns team, at least for the rest of the season. And given the state of the team now, they would highly need him to be a part of this offense. So just from a basketball perspective, what do you see the Suns need to do in order to 
get the most out of Aiton while he's still on this team? Well, I mean, I thought you know during this period with you have no you know you're, you have no Devin, you know Chris has been out. Um, you know, you've got to basically, if you know, play through him. He's got to be your to have a chance. He's probably have to be your best player. Now, what does your best player mean? Is that a guy who can go out and give you thirty and twenty? You know, some of these, you know, a Bam out of bio type night. Um, he's he's not Bam out of bio. You know, so I think that's that's the thing for me is I think there's an opportunity right now for um, based on where the circumstances here for for eight and to kind of stand out and. Um, you know, the losses are, will the losses will continue to pile, um, you know, starting, you know, continually tonight in, in, in Memphis. I'm interested to see him against, you know, you know, with Steven Adams there, um, Jaron Jackson Jr. Those are two really good test years. So, um, you know, he's got to stand out and he's been, he's been good. Um, but he hasn't been, you know, all, I thought, thought there was a period last year where you could really talk about him from an all-star, all, all-star standpoint. Now he's, you know, he's not in that conversation. Bobby, what have you heard rumblings around the league about Jay Crowder? What is the interest no. in him? And he hasn't played at all this season. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a little bit on the decline. So, and, and do you, if you trade for him, does, do you have to start him? Right? Like, is that is yeah. that part of a mandate? I mean, we, we saw it here in, in Phoenix where it feels like he got his feelings hurt because he had to come off the bench. And there wasn't an extension there waiting for him. I mean, that's a situation that, especially, in, you, I mean, I don't understand why we're at the situation where both sides could have said, you know, hey, we need each other here. You yeah. know, we'll move you before the trade deadline. We need you in a lineup. We need you to boost your trade value here where you have a guy who, um, yes, he's played in a lot of big games. He's played in a lot of NBA finals here, but I think it's probably on the, the, the decline of his career. As you said, hasn't played. So now you're getting a player um, for the last three months of the season. How much are you willing to give up? So that's that's the challenge here. So if it's you know, I don't see a team out there giving up a first round pick for Jay Crowder. I, I I don't see that at all. I think if you're a team, you know, are you willing to give up a player that's got a couple of years left? You know, I think everyone's talked about Milwaukee. So for, for Milwaukee to go out and, and get Jay Crowder, it's going to cost you Pat Connaughton, or it's going to cost you Grayson Allen, one of those two players, and. What you know, if Crowder leaves for nothing, you're you know it's, you're probably in a worse shape than where you were. So I think he'll be moved. Um, I don't think there's anything right pressing right now. But um, but yeah, I just you know, and if and if he's not moved, then then what do you do? Then we, are we looking at a buyout? Is there any way you can you can work it out that he comes back? I mean, I guess we're kind of past that point of no return. And then last one for you before we let you go. Your colleague, Brian Windhorst, has brought it up on a couple of occasions now of the very unique ownership circumstance that the Suns yeah. are in right now heading into this deadline. What? Because you've had this experience before as a yeah. former GM. Yeah, sure. What is it like having to deal with so many talking heads at one time and trying to execute massive deals or even just basic moves like trying to move off of a Jay Crowder? Yeah, we had it with, I mean, I've been to so many different ownerships. I mean, the most recent one was when we had um, Bruce Ratner on the team and sold it to Mikhail Prokhorov in 2000. I think it was right around 2010. And it was it was interesting because we there was an agreement from both sides that, that Prokhorov would incur the debt of anything, you know, based on a trade at the deadline, anything other, you know, based on anything um, more than what Ratner would have paid. So if your luxury tax bill was $30 million at the time Bruce Ratner sold it, and you know you're, you're spending another twenty, then Prokhorov would have incurred that. So that's where I'm I'm trying to figure out like why can't both sides kind of come to an agreement here? And maybe they can saying like, hey, you know, you know the new ownership group will pay 
you know, uh, if, if, you know, if we take back a player that's earning 7 million more and, you know, that's on, you know, that's on there. And, and that's kind of where you get a little bit of a, a cleaner, you know, business model here, but yeah, it's hard. I mean, it, it's hard too, because like, you know, are you, are you buyers? Are you sellers? Are you going, do you want to trade Dario Sarge and save $30 million? Right. Like, yeah. do you want, is that the direction you want to go in? So not easy when you have multiple different ownerships, especially when an owner that's suspended, right? So yeah. you, you add that into the mix too. So, um, but you, you've got to figure it out, you know, within the next, you know, three to four weeks here. Yeah, absolutely. Pressure is on, in my opinion, as well. Bobby, thanks as always for the time. We really appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys.